Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Have you ever heard of World War Zero? It's, it exists. It exists. And you're about to find out about it today. It's going to be an awesome Thursday on the world-famous 
Jesse Kelly show. We have Steve Dace coming up second hour. He wrote an anti-Fauci book and it's number one right now on all the book sites. He's just killing it. Absolutely killing it. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, tomorrow is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. The weeks are heavy enough. On Fridays, we screw off on this show. I know we have a bunch of new listeners. Here's how it works before I go into the story. You know that politics isn't exactly a bright and sunny topic right now. Obviously, I, we, we make it as fun as we can just because I refuse to be a miserable human being, but it sucks right now. All week long, we're going to talk about taxes and spending and culture wars and stuff like that and all those things. And you know, look, how willing am I to tackle the tough issues? But on Friday... The entire show, I think I only have one guest, sometimes zero guests on Friday. The entire show, I answer listener questions, either live phone calls or voicemails or emails, and they do not have to be political. I use my almost three years of community college credits to pretend to be a doctor, and I answer history questions and, and and food questions and questions about boys and questions about girls and 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 travel questions, whatever you can imagine, idiotic doomsday scenarios, animal fights, you name it, I answer them on Fridays, and that is tomorrow. If you haven't yet had the pleasure, tune in for that one. It's going to be a real good time. Now, World War Zero. That's what they called the Russo-Japanese War, a war 90% of the people have never even heard of before. It was a Russian versus Japan war, as you may have guessed from the name, the Russo-Japanese War. They frankly did not put a lot of time into that label, but it is what it is. This was early 1900s, 1904 to be specific, but that doesn't matter. No one remembers that stuff. Early 1900s. And we have to do a brief setup on each country before we can possibly go into the war. Let's start with Russia first. This is not like the Russia you think of today. This was a Russia where a czar ran things and had pretty much always run things since Russia had been unified and came into existence. And this was the back end, a few hundred years of this same family running things in Russia. And to say he wasn't doing a good job would really, really be putting it mildly. In his defense, this is Tsar Nicholas II. And he didn't ever want the job and openly said he didn't want the job, which sounds weird because who doesn't want to be king? But I will say this, and and it's easy for me to say because I'm not one of the Russian people who was brutally put down in one of his, you know, protest stompings. But he seems like kind of a good dude. Loves his family, loves his kids, loves his wife, just kind of a good dude that had no desire to be in charge of one of the major superpowers of the world. 
and he steps into a job that, one, he didn't like, and two, wasn't good at, and it goes pretty much exactly like you think. This is a period of time we'll both struggle to comprehend. This is a period of time when the nations around the globe are advancing industry-wise, technology-wise, rapidly. It's just one of those times in world history where where steamships are turning into oil ships and this factory is turning into this and this is turning into that and this gun is, oh, wow, we were just using muskets like like 20 years ago and now someone has a machine gun and we better buy a machine gun. And it's that period of time. And nations, even the big ones, but the small ones too, are struggling with the cost of this kind of advancement and how to advance while also keeping your traditions. Now, that's hard for us to understand because we've grown up in a relatively technological age. Look, when I was a kid, there were car phones in beepers. That was advanced technology, and I realize we've gone way past that now, but it's still a technological age. It was breaking Russia financially, trying to keep up with the Joneses on an industry level. And Russia in and of itself is a strange bird. You've heard me ask our foreign policy expert guests this several times. You'll hear me ask it again. Why is Russia, why are they ever having financial problems when they're that gigantic of a country? Shouldn't they be drowning in natural resources? And the answer is, well, it kind of plays into our story here. No, they're not really drowning in natural resources, especially not for a country that big. And it's not just it's not just how much you own. It's where it is. Location, location, location doesn't just apply when you're moving out of your first apartment and buying your first house. It applies to nations, too. The truth is so much of Russia, I mean, pull up a map. You don't, you don't do this very often, but pull up a map and look at Russia. It is really far north, and it is barren and icy and cold. It's not as if it's that that big of a nation and the whole thing is lush green fields. And my, no, 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 no. Yeah, a lot of it is big, but a lot of it is uninhabitable. uninhabitable. It's terrible. And... Because of that, Russia is extra protective of the parts of it that are habitable, that are profitable, and they're constantly trying to expand on that a little bit. It's part of the reason they're always pushing around Georgia or one of these smaller nations next to it. It's it's not it's not just a, an imperial dreams type thing. It's a okay, it is a little of that, but still, it's also a, I mean, yeah, Georgia's not that big and. I mean, that is, that's the kind of land we actually want. It would be nice if we had that. Which plays into our story. There was something called Port Arthur. Just think Korea. Don't worry about that. Just think Korea. Why would Russia want this port? Russia wanted this port because it was one of the few in their sphere of influence that wasn't iced over for half the year. Shipping is then, just as it is now, extremely important to the wealth of a nation. Goods coming in, goods going out. You really, really, really need ships. You do. To have a nation that has a, an ocean border 
versus a landlocked nation is uh, it's drastically different how much you can how much you can do economically. It's just really important for the country. And we are 12 years removed from the Russian Revolution where the communists take over the country. So that should tell you how stable this regime is. The people are unhappy, to put it mildly. There are assassination attempts. People are getting assassinated. There are, you call them terrorist groups popping up. Those are put down brutally because, let's be honest, it's still Russia. And then more of them pop up, and it's that's Russia. But... Still one of, if not the most powerful nations in the world at this time. Which brings us to Japan. Oh, Japan. That's going to be a time. All right. Stay tuned. Steve Dace next hour. We'll continue with this story. Hang on. Is something there's a podcast get it on demand wherever podcasts are found the jesse kelly show i hated 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 trying to quit dipping and it's because i guess it was my fault i didn't use the right things i didn't do the right things i tried to do it with nothing at first i'll just quit i, I can do it no no absolutely not and I tried the nicotine patch. Honestly, it did nothing for me at all. I still wanted something in my lip. And that's why Jake's Mint Chew works so well. It's a replacement. A replacement you put in your lip. A replacement that can have the flavor you want it to have. 11 different long cut flavors. Four different flavors of the CBD pouches. But here's the thing. It's nicotine free. It's tobacco free. It's even sugar free but it gives you that replacement to get you off it. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE at checkout for 20% off. Somebody tried to pass a golden retriever off as a lion, and shockingly, it didn't work. Dang it. That <laughs> is, it is the Jesse Kelly Show. You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram. I'm on Facebook. You can also find me on Locals. Remember, especially with the trouble I got in last night. I will be banned very soon from Twitter and Instagram. You know what, Chris? Go ahead and pull that video of that father putting his son's officer pins on him in the Marine Corps. It was a tearjerker. I think it will even be good for radio. Don't worry. You'll, you'll see it. You'll know what I'm talking about, Chris. Just read my mind. Gosh. You know, in hindsight, we probably shouldn't do this in front of the million people that are listening. Maybe this is stuff we should do during the break, but I had to get a cup of coffee. It's fine. <laughs> All right, the Russo-Japanese War, World War Zero. I already kind of set up Russia as best I could at the time. Now let's go to one of my favorite subjects in the world, Japan. I make no bones about it. 
I am a fan of Japanese culture then and now. I think it's a cool culture. I always had, when I was a kid, I used to love that samurai stuff. But it just, look, I even think the, I think the architecture is cool. And then I visited Japan and the Marine Corps. We did some time in Okinawa and I got to go up to Tokyo for a while and whatnot. What a cool place. And, and a country that size, that modern, that many people, and almost no violent crime. It's just a different place. So I'm a Japanese fan. I like the Japanese people. I think the culture is really cool. There are some problems, though. Some, some real problems. And this is an era where some of those problems are starting to sprout up for Japanese culture. It is the early 1900s. Longtime listeners of the show will know this basic story, but I realize we're picking up new affiliates every day, which is unbelievable. And there are a lot of people who've never heard this at all. So let's discuss Japan briefly. Mid-1800s, we discover Japan. Now, that's not what I mean. We knew Japan was there, but we pop into Japan, and we see a people that look like— it looks like we have traveled back in time when we land on the Japanese shores. We are talking technologically the least advanced, quote, modern society out there. They just, for a few hundred years— Japan, I mean, Japan's insular now, and they're practically open compared to what they were back then. For a few hundred years, Japan just was like, you know, we don't need anybody here. Now, there was some trade. The people act like there wasn't any, but we don't really need any foreigners here. Oh, we're not going to leave, but you're not going to come, and we're not really interested in anything you're doing. We have our way of the samurai stuff. We have our shogun stuff. We have the emperor. We, we have things we like. And we don't really care about anyone else. And we pop in their shores, and other people do too, and see a people that they they still all have swords. And this is obviously the era of firearms. And part of the reason I admire Japan so much is they could have done, when they got popped in on and discovered how backwards they were because they didn't know, They could have done what so many traditional proud people do and just say, I'm not changing. There's nothing wrong with my sword. Don't talk to me about these guns. What can a gun do that a sword can? And don't laugh at that. That's that's happened. That's killed people out there before militarily. Japan looked around and said, you know, all these white powers, and we're going to talk a lot about race today, as we always do, and I need to clarify something here. I realize that it can be offensive to people when I say things like Jewish producer Chris, when I talk about black people, Asian people, white people, Mexicans, uh, Guatemalans, when I talk about the differences in religions, I understand that can be really, really offensive to people. So I need to clarify something right now. I don't care if you're offended at all. I can't possibly explain to you how little that means to me. You need to buck up, get a thicker skin, We enjoy talking about these things, and we only move forward as a society by talking about these things and joking about these things. That's how I came up, and I ain't changing for anybody. Clear? Now, back to the story. Japan saw the white powers of the world, France, Britain, 
they saw them bouncing around. I mean, honestly, America, to, to a lesser extent, they saw them bouncing around and colonizing everything, taking over everything in Japan. Proud as they were, didn't want to be colonized. They wanted to stay Japan. And the only way you're going to avoid that, this is a lesson for everybody in history. It's a lesson for us now. The only way to avoid being colonized is to become strong enough economically and militarily that you cannot be taken by force. The world has not changed. The history of the world is less technologically advanced people, weaker economic people being taken over and dominated by stronger economies. It is the history of the world, and it will happen again, period. Again, uh, well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have done that to, to the Native Americans. What happened to the Native Americans in America is the same thing that happened to every single tribal people across the globe when they encountered a more technologically advanced society. They weren't strong enough to avoid getting crushed. And you know I'm the biggest Indian fan in the world. But that's just a fact. It happened all over Africa. It happened all over Europe. That's what Caesar did to the Gauls. Anyway, Japan decides that's not going to be us. They go into something that is called the Meiji Restoration. And there were, I don't want to act like all of Japan was on board with advancing technologically. They actually had to fight a civil war. I mean, straight out of that movie, The Last, Sam- the, the Last Samurai. You know what? I should do something on this civil war one time where the old school, like samurai types with the swords, gathered up and fought the guys who wanted to advance with guns and muskets and stuff like that. And, you know. Bravery only takes you so far when you're getting shot in the face. The samurai got killed. They, 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 they died. But Japan goes through a rapid economic and military advancement. And they do this in the smartest ways. Again, it's so, it's so impressive for a nation to do this, to just change. They go all around the world. They find who does everything the best. They send advisors there. They take advisors from them. They buy things from them. Oh, who's really good at mining? Oh, these guys. And I'm totally making this, this country up, so don't, don't take this by heart. Oh, uh, Russia's really good at mining. Let's send some advisors to Russia. Let's, let's find out how they mine so we can mine really well. And then we'll tell Russia we'll buy some of their stuff to make it advantageous for them. And then Russia likes it. It becomes a partnership. They send stuff back. That's how it worked. They did it, and this is going to come into play in our story here, they did it with Britain when it came to a navy. If you want to build a navy, especially at this time, there's only one top dog in the world, and it was the Royal Navy. Japan goes to Britain. Those are some sweet ships. We would love to buy some of those from you, so that'd be good for your economy. We would also love to send some guys here, do some cross-training. Would you mind teaching us how to sail? Well, they weren't sailing, but would you mind teaching us how to run a Navy? We'll buy some stuff, so on and so forth. And this was a partnership at the time, Britain and Japan. Now, when I say partnership, you need to know there was all kinds of racial animosity back then, just as there is now. It's just everyone was allowed to be more open about it. The Japanese people were terribly racist. The British people were terribly racist. The Russians were terribly racist. The Russians at one point in time... In fact, it's going to come into play in our story. Refer to the Japanese people as monkeys. The Japanese people were racist against Chinese people. They were racist against white. Everyone was racist. Okay, again, everybody holds some prejudice. And it really, it, it causes wars. It causes huge mistakes back then because you're not looking at things that actually matter. It's just the way it goes. 
All right, we're not finished. We're going to get to the Russo-Japanese War. And, oh, good. Our Olympic athletes can kneel for the anthem. Sweet. Hang on. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day, and it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Uh, so I, I became eligible on Monday. I haven't had it yet, but I am, I am planning on doing it this week. Uh, I'm not sure we're going to do it on camera. I mean, we'll see. I mean, if you guys want a gun show, maybe we could do it, but probably better off. <laughs> that's heavy d gosh that kills me the dude's pretty good man the dude is pretty good it is J the jesse kelly show 877-377-4373 we are we are opening on the russo japanese war world war zero as it's known here before we get to all the other disastrous news chris did you see this john durham Issuing subpoenas and interviewing witnesses. I forgot the guy was still alive. I, I, this is no joke. I'm not even kidding. I'm not making this up. I, I do this for a living. Three, three hours of radio a day and an hour of TV every day. I legitimately thought John Durham existed. Or, or I forgot he existed for about a two or three month stretch there. We Bill Barr? Who's that? Who's B B Bill Barr? Did he hold some position of significance? I don't know. I, whoever he is, he never did anything. I, not that I'd know anything about that. Oh, that was the guy who gave, I know who that is. That was the guy who gave snappy little speeches in front of the congressional committees. Oh, okay. He wouldn't, he wasn't an, he wasn't an attorney general or anything, right? If he did, if he was, I, I didn't see it. Sorry. Japan is on the rise technologically, militarily. And because they're on the rise, we start to look around and decide, well, I mean, okay, we've grown enough that we, we're not going to be colonized. The, 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 even if they can't take Britain, which they probably couldn't at this point in time, Britain's not going to look at Japan and think, oh, let's go push them around and take their stuff. But power is a funny thing. Power is rarely something that remains dormant. When you, when you acquire a skill set, you want to use said skill set. It's just, 
It's the way it goes. You ever known a, uh, a, a super fitness dude or a super fitness woman? I, I, I'm sure you do. Somebody who's just really into fitness. Do they wear a lot of clothing? No, they don't. They don't. It's not that they're. It's not that they're half naked at all times because they're. You know, I don't know, trampy or something like that. They may be. I don't know. But it's something they've worked hard for. They look good without clothes on, so they don't wear clothes. At least they wear the bare minimum. Period. You see the dude? Oh, sorry. It's did the sleeves fall off my shirt? My bad. Hang on. Look at my calves. And the same thing with the with the dimes too. And, and look, hey, nobody's complaining, but oh wow, look, yoga pants and a tank top. Shocking. It's just oh, those shorts aren't. Those shorts are practically underwear. Apparently, she does squats. That's it's human nature. When you have a, a skill set you've acquired, you want to use it. Japan looks around and says to itself, "Wow, we got modern, real fast. We're doing real well here." Hmm. Korea doesn't look like they could put up much of a fight. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but Japan starts to really take over Korea as a sphere of influence. And everyone talks about the evil colonial powers. I will tell you, if you do any reading at all, maybe I'll do a show on it one time about the Japanese occupation of Korea. It's more brutal than anything you've ever read before. It's really, really bad. Really, they they treat, again... It was very racist. They thought they were simply a superior race to the Koreans and treated them. I mean, second-class citizens is not even does not even count. It, it was lower than that. So the situation by 1904 was this: in northern China, a place called Manchuria, Russia had a railway through there. Russia was using this area to help their own economy. China is in tatters right now. It's run by warlords. It's not unified. So the nations around that area are starting to pick at China a little bit. Oh, I kind of like this. You can't stop me. Ooh, I think I'll take this as well. Russia does this with this area. Japan, they like Korea. So here's the deal. Japan... They thought they should be able to negotiate with the Russians. Okay, you can have this and I'll have that. And there was this port called Port Arthur. It was a big part of it. And Japan said to Russia, okay, well, here's the deal. Port Arthur, I know you like it. I know you want one of these ports that doesn't freeze over in the winter because your country's an icy dump. You take Port Arthur. It can be all yours, but you let us have Korea. We'll go ahead and have Korea for ourselves. Russia, honestly, a lot of this came to do with, came from a racial disrespect area. Russia, shockingly arrogant, said, no, I think I want Korea and the port. And Japan's saying back to them, excuse me? Do, Do you know who you're talking to? And Russia says, yeah, I know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to an Asian power. An Asian power has, up to this point, never taken on a white power and succeeded. I mean, in in this relatively modern era. I view you as lesser people. Like I said, they called them monkeys. And I'll take whatever I want. And you'll shut up because you're Japan and we're the great Russia. And Japan, you can almost almost see the whole country say, okay. All right. Apparently, we're going to do this now. These are not a people who are just going to lay down and accept that. And Japan does to Russia, frankly, 
exactly what they did to us in Pearl Harbor. A dirty move? Well, dirty's in the eye of the beholder. Japan breaks off negotiations, says, okay, right, we're leaving. And then without declaring war, Japan sends the Navy into Port Arthur, where the Russian Navy is. The Russian Navy is parked just outside of the port in the middle of the night. Because they're not at war and there's not really a threat of war, they're parked out there in the middle of the night. They're not really watching, as you always should be, and the freaking lights are on. Do you know what a ship looks like in the ocean in the middle of the night with the lights on? It's a gigantic shoot a torpedo into me sign, and that's exactly what the Japanese did. Two days before declaring war, they show up and start blasting away at the Russian Navy with torpedoes. The Russians freak out. They race their port back into the harbor, at which point Japan says, okay, that works too, and they start shelling the ships inside of the harbor, and they haven't even declared war yet. Two days of this. And finally, Japan declares war. Well, Russia, they stand up and say, whoa, hey, world, did anyone see what they just did? They just attacked us without declaring war. At which point, the global power at the time, the number one, Britain, steps in and says, remember, they were friends with Japan. They'd been working together. Britain steps in and says, oh, they're fine. Don't whine about it, Russia. It's no big deal. So nobody steps in. And Japan now knows they have a free reign and it's on. The war itself was pretty fast. Lasted only about a year. The Russian Navy gets blasted out of the harbor. Russia is now panicking. They have another Navy in the Baltic, which if you want to look at a map for Korea versus the Baltic, it took some time for the Russian Navy to get there. The Russian Navy packs up from the Baltic and races over towards this area so they can fight off the Japanese Navy. Surely that first battle was a fluke. On the way, Russia almost gets itself into war with Britain because they shoot and sink a British civilian vessel out of nowhere. And I've read both things on it. I don't know which one to believe. I did want to tell you both of them. One of them said the guy mistook it for a Japanese vessel. The other one said the guy knew it was a British vessel, but he was mad at Britain for not stepping in and for helping Japan, and he just sunk it out of spite. But he almost causes a war with the most powerful country in the world. Either way, that Russian Navy keeps on churning over there. It's time to go teach these dirty Japanese some lessons, and they show up and promptly get pounded again. Sunk. Japanese Navy wipes out the Russians. We're almost done. I'll wrap this up in a second. And the dog that tried to be a lion. The talk radio revolution. Jesse Kelly. You know the Eden Pure Thunderstorm uses sonic technology? It produces a super oxygen that purifies your air the same way nature does after a thunderstorm. That's why they call it the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. And I want to emphasize this point. I have had air purifiers forever. I always do because my allergies stink. They're always big and loud. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm is small, it's not loud, and I never have to replace a filter. And 
It doesn't cover up odors. It eliminates them. It kills and prevents the spreading of mold, fungus, and mildew anywhere in your home. Even if you keep a clean home, and I'm sure you probably do, you will be shocked how much purer it smells after your Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the code word JESSE at checkout. That'll get you 10 bucks off. Jesse Kelly. Back soon. Chris, play Heavy D again. I have to have it. I have to have it. Uh, so I, I became eligible on Monday. I haven't had it yet, but I am I am planning on doing it this week. Uh, I'm not sure we're going to do it on camera. I mean, we'll see. I mean, if you guys want a gun show, maybe we could do it, but probably <laughs> He, the, the more he goes full meathead, the more I appreciate him. What, Chris? That's, that's not nice saying it's relatable for me. That's not nice at all. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. China's military preparing for us? Oh, gosh, that hurts. All right, let's finish World War Zero. The Chinese Navy, or the Japanese Navy beat up the Russian Navy twice. And then they went to war with the Russians on land. And this is really the first... This is the first window we had, anybody had, into how terrible World War I was going to be because now both sides have machine guns. But remember what we've talked about a thousand times. on That movie, Man on Fire, the line that I blatantly stole from that movie because it's so true. There's no such thing as tough. There's trained and there's untrained. You look up to our super ninja soldiers as the best in the world, and they are. Like the Green Beret types, Delta Force types, SEALs, all those guys, they're the best in the world. Why are they? Well, yes, there's an internal toughness in those men, but they train more and better than everyone else because we have the money. Oh, you'd like to go training again today? Sure. Here's another 20,000 rounds. Go. Well, the Russian economy that was struggling? Oh, they had a lot of troops. Their weapons weren't even that bad. They didn't train that often. The Russians couldn't shoot worth a darn. The Japanese trained all the time. The Japanese were out there driving tacks. The Russians were not. And you just can't, you can't quantify that. When, I mean, I'll make it as easy as possible. When 100 men are facing off against another 100 men, and all of them have rifles, And in the first minute, the first army loses 20 guys and the other army loses five. Well, then you have 80 men going up against 95 men. And then if that happens again in the second minute, now you have 60 men going up against 90 men. And do you see what a difference that can make quickly on a grand scale? Half the reason you read these stories, you read that great story, uh, The Lone Survivor by Marcus Luttrell. 
most people have read the book or seen the movie, or at least you know the story vaguely. Four Navy SEALs, granted three of them died, one of them lived, but four Navy SEALs go up against like 150 Afghan fighters, tough fighters in the mountains, and they killed so many of those Afghans. It, it's just, it doesn't seem possible. The training is what makes it possible. You're a Navy SEAL with a 30-round magazine. 20 guys are going to die when, you un- when you're done unloading that 30-round magazine. You're in the Afghanistan mountains. You don't have that kind of training. You don't have the time. You don't have the money. That 45-round mag in the AK, it's going to be gone, and you're lucky if you hit a single shot. It just is the difference. There's a big battle called the Battle of the Yalu River. Not yellow. It's Yalu, Y-A-L-U. Japan wins. And then Japan wins. And then Japan wins. And soon this whole daggone thing is over. And why do they call this thing World War Zero? Well, here's why. When the thing was over, they signed something called the Treaty of Portsmouth. Japan had won. No, no question Japan had won. But Japan had spent, spent all their money. They'd spent all their money fighting the war. Japan signs a treaty and demands a boatload of money from Russia, which was the norm, is the norm. You're the loser. You got to pay up. It gets expensive to lose wars. Teddy Roosevelt, the American president, steps in on behalf of Russia and saves them the money. Tells Russia, no, 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 it's okay. Let me renegotiate this thing. So, yeah, Japan had Korea after this. Japan stomped into Manchuria after this. and But also, Japan had a massive axe to grind with the West after this, one they would never forget about. The Japanese people were so angry about this treaty where they got screwed after beating the crap out of Russia that they were rioting. There were deadly riots in the streets of Japan. That's how mad they were about it. And honestly, justifiably so. They were done wrong. These were not a people who were just going to let that go. They thought the white Western powers looked down on them, treated them like dirt, and they weren't necessarily wrong. Only this Japan wasn't pushover swords and samurai stuff, Japan. This Japan was ready to rumble, and the world would find that out a couple world wars later. Why is it called World War Zero? Because... It virtually finished Russia. The Tsar was now a paper tiger out there, and everybody knew it, which led to so much of World War I and the Russian Revolution he couldn't hold off. We're not done yet. Stimulus checks? Forever? Hang on. Your daughter doesn't want to talk about why her room is a horrible mess. Your son doesn't want to talk about why he's wearing mismatching socks. Your spouse doesn't want to talk about their bad haircut. Families don't have to talk about everything, but they should talk to plan for an emergency. Pack basic supplies in a go bag, water, canned food, flashlights, batteries, medical supplies, IDs, and some cash. 
talk about where you'll meet in case you lose one another. And of course, don't forget to pack the dog treats. Talk to your family and make an emergency plan. Go to nyc.gov slash readyny or call 311 to make your family's emergency plan. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. Apparently, Jewish producer Chris is becoming even more anti-communist than I am. He is over here making the case during the break that Japan should have just kept going, not signed the treaty, and just invaded Russia and just killed them all. And he's all, well, then we wouldn't have had the communist revolution. Chris, that also involves the murder of, like, millions of people. Millions of people, Chris. One. Two, Japan may be able to beat Russia in Korea you're not invading Russia. You're not going to invade Russia. They could do well, but you're you're not going to invade Russia. Half the problem Russia had during the Russo-Japanese War was getting troops to the front. Because Russia is so big, it takes forever to get people places. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. It's going to be an awesome day. We have a John Durham sighting. You're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe he's alive. He's alive. I had I had called the FBI and put out a missing persons report on him, but it turns out he's still in existence. We'll tell you what he's doing. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. He's alive. He is alive. John Durham is alive. He's a real real human being who's still breathing apparently that's so cool it is the jesse kelly show 877-377-4373 jesse at jessekellyshow.com remember email me your love your hate your death threats your ask dr jesse questions for tomorrow remember all your emails go right to jewish producer chris he prints them off for me I read every single one of them. I don't respond. I get way too many. I'm way too busy. I can't, but I read them all. I did get an email yesterday. Somebody wanted to know how many I get. So I'm going to be honest here before I go to the John Durham thing. It's a lot. And as the show grows, as we continue to pick up affiliates and things like that, and it's growing really, really, really fast. It's approaching the point where it's getting too much. If I ever get to the point where I can't read them all, 
I'm not going to announce it. I'm just going to stop saying I read them all. I, I, as of right now, I'm showing up earlier to the studio every day just to try. Uh, Chris has a stack of them waiting for me to try to get to them all. It is important to me. It, it always will be, but I'll be honest. I see a future where I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. I'll still I'll always read them. I just I don't think I'll be able to tell you, I read them all, because I probably didn't. Washington Examiner headline. John Durham issuing subpoenas and interviewing witnesses. No way. John Durham's inquiry into the origins and conduct of the Trump-Russia investigation is chugging along during the Biden administration with the special counsel arranging witness interviews and issuing subpoenas in recent months. President Joe Biden asked all, asked all Senate-confirmed U.S. attorneys for their resignation in early February with Durham being asked to step down as U.S. Attorney for Connecticut, but to stay on as special counsel. Durham resigned from his federal prosecutor post in late February, but continues his investigation. The new report cited people briefed on the matter who said Durham's investigation was scrutinizing the FBI's handling of British ex-spy Christopher Steele's discredited anti-Trump dossier, as well as the FBI's disclosures to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, where the Bureau received a warrant, followed by three renewals in 2016 and 17, targeting former Trump campaign advisor Carter Page. Isn't that amazing? You know, because there's a new scandal and something else to be outraged about every single day, and you know, we talk about them all on the show, I don't think we spend enough time just raging out about what the Federal Bureau of Investigation did and then didn't get in trouble for. And no, by the way, don't take this article and get excited. Nothing's going to happen to anybody. Nothing is because nothing ever does. The Federal Bureau of Investigation under President Barack Obama decided they were going to go after Donald Trump's campaign and they lied, they knowingly lied on a FISA warrant application to get a warrant to spy on an American citizen and then kept lying so they could keep the warrant up twice? That is so out of line. That is, that's the kind of thing that, that's how state police are formed. Like ugly state police are formed like that. You should take every single person responsible for that and throw them in Fort Leavenworth for the rest of their lives. That is that big of a deal. Chris said it's way bigger than Watergate. Oh, it's it's nothing compared. Yeah. Watergate is nothing compared to this. The federal law enforcement arm intentionally lying so they can spy on the opponent of the president of the United States and then getting off pretty much scot-free with it is the biggest of big deals. And it's the biggest of big deals, not just for what they did, for the precedent it sets. If you don't take the guys who did that and make a public example of them by carting them off in chains, what are you telling the next guy? What are you telling the next guy in... In 2023, when President Kamala Harris tells the FBI, hey, I wouldn't mind if you did some spying on Heavy D. 
He looks like he he's getting closer in the polls. I wouldn't mind if he did some spying on Heavy D. Now, in a real world, the FBI would say, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Madam President, but that's actually illegal. I can't spy on your political opponent. If I do that, man, look what they did to the last guys. The last guy hasn't seen his wife and kids in a decade. He's already in jail. Instead, they're going to say, well, I mean, I guess I can do that. What's going to happen to me? The one guy who's been busted so far, Kevin Kleinsmith, that FBI lawyer, he lied and got probation. He didn't even spend a day in jail. We are telling people constantly by our actions, look, if you're going to do corruption, just do it on behalf of Democrats and you'll be okay. I mean, if you do it on behalf of Republicans, you're in deep, deep, deep trouble. But if you just do it on behalf of Democrats, you'll be okay. That is, that is such an unhealthy place to be as a nation. And speaking of unhealthy places to be, get this. This is from a friend last night. They're, they know somebody who's in a community college. A fairly popular community college here in Texas. I'm not going to go into the details of it. Do you want to know what class they're in now? Humanities 1301. Beyonce and the African diaspora. I'm not making this up. The final is on Jay-Z. And this is a direct text message I had from him. His first project was on the breakdown of her lemonade video. They made him take an assessment to show him what race bias, what races he's biased against and write a paper on why he's biased against that race and how he can improve that. Wrap your mind around, around what we're doing to the minds in this country. Figure out what you're racist against and then write a paper on why you're racist against it and how you can improve it. Do you understand how sick this way of thinking is? How truly, truly demented this way of thinking is? It has it is, it is infected every single part of this society like a deadly cancer. And I, I don't know how we reverse it at this point. Did you see? All right, I'm going to play you some audio. And full disclosure. The audio is not only poor quality, there's actually the worst sound in the world in it. No, I don't mean Kamala Harris's laugh. I mean, there's a baby crying in it. And the only reason I'm playing it for you is I want you to go see the video because it's an awesome moment. There's a Marine, black dude, he's an enlisted guy, and his son just graduated and he's joining the officer rank in the Marine Corps. And his dad is the one basically pinning it on him. He's the one doing the ceremony. And it's just one of the coolest moments you've ever seen in your life. You'll hear it in the dad's voice. He's trying to be this hard, you know, hard Marine. And his voice is breaking up. And the son, you can tell, is just welling with pride. I mean, just they'll remember this moment the rest of their lives. All right, play the audio. Full disclosure, it's bad audio. Toughen up. I watched you grow and mature and become the man that you are today. You have always been respectful by saying yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, and no ma'am. It's a sign of respect. 
It is a privilege to render you your first salute. But it is a greater honor to say congratulations, sir, on your commissioning. Gosh, that's as good as it gets. But guess what? The communists tried to ruin that moment, too. I'll tell you why. Hang on. Truth. Attitude. Jesse Kelly. Eden Pure Thunderstorm air purifiers are the best thing I've discovered in a long time. My allergies drove me crazy. And so I always have air purifiers. And you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say air purifier. The, th- the three-foot-tall tower that goes... And you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I've always had them. And then I discover Eden Pure Thunderstorm. One, I never have to replace a filter. I got so tired of replacing and cleaning out those stupid filters. Two... It's small. It just goes right in the outlet against the wall, and it's quiet. You hardly even know it's there. And it's the thing. It's so good at getting the allergies out of me. I stopped taking any allergy medication. I've always taken allergy medication. I don't do that anymore. It's because of my Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code word JESSE at checkout. That gets you $10 off. I've watched you grow and mature and become the man that you are today. You have always been respectful by saying, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. It's a sign of respect. It is a privilege to render you your first salute. But it is a greater honor to say congratulations, sir, on your commissioning. Whew. Is somebody cutting onions in here or what? It is the Jesse Kelly Show. That was a Marine Corps Master Sergeant doing the commissioning ceremony for his son, who is now a Marine Corps officer If you haven't seen the video, I would recommend it. It's all over social media. I mean, gosh, that is as good as it gets, right? Right? I mean, nobody could ruin that moment, right? Oh, yes, they could. Yes, they could. You see, what have I explained to you before about the communist? The communist doesn't, he doesn't look at anything. Anything, nothing, nothing, and say to himself, you know, I shouldn't go there. I don't, I'm going to leave that alone. That's not how they view the world. You know, 
Here's a great way to explain it, because I have people ask me more about this, the, the communist mentality. Here's a great way to explain it. You know Michael Jordan? Everyone knows who Michael Jordan is. Everybody does. Now, my generation, I'm 39, we worshipped Michael Jordan. I think he's still the most popular athlete of all time. But it was be like Mike, and everyone wanted to play basketball like Mike. And Michael Jordan is obviously absurdly good at basketball and absurdly competitive. So competitive that even when he was on the Olympic team with the other greats of all time, Magic Johnson and stuff like that, they were freaked out by how competitive the guy was, whether it was ping pong or gambling. No, we have to play again. I can't believe I lost. No, we're playing again until I win all night long. Like, whoa, 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 dude, dial it down a notch. And have you ever seen, uh, I think it was ESPN did a documentary on Michael Jordan, and there was a lot of one-on-one time. And Jordan was constantly, if you were watching it the way I was watching it, constantly feeling slighted by something, mad about something. He didn't respect me. He didn't do that. He didn't say this. The guy got inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame, and his entire speech wasn't greatest teammates ever. I love this. I love that. And I'm not ripping on him. I'm a huge Jordan fan, but his entire speech was this guy screwed me over and this guy did me wrong and I did this and I did that. Michael Jordan is a great example of what I'm talking about. And I'm not calling him a communist. It's just, I want you to understand the mentality. Michael Jordan is a man infinitely wealthy. I think he's a billionaire. We'll go down as maybe the greatest athlete of all time. Uh, unquestionably the greatest basketball player. I mean, uh, award, award after award after award. Uh, you know, he's, he's picking up supermodels for breakfast. I mean, just life is, right? It, it's, it's everything. He's a king. But all Michael Jordan sees when he looks around is what he didn't get, who didn't say this to him, who didn't do Michael Jordan doesn't look at, what, six, seven championships, I forget how many he won, and say to himself, man, that was, that was awesome. One of the best careers ever. Michael Jordan looks at this coach and says, he didn't pay me enough respect. He looks at this game and says, oh, we should have won that game. It's driving me crazy. It'll haunt me forever. We can't believe we didn't. He only sees what he didn't get. I've known people like that before, and they're miserable and always will be miserable. That's why communists are always miserable, and that's how a communist looks at everything. Everything. I've used that sorry daytime TV show The View as a great example. You know, Megan McCain is on there. She's the, 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 the voice of the right, I, I guess you would call it, although obviously she's pretty far to the middle, but the voice of the right. Do you have any idea how often people try to boycott the program or, or, or do various things to try to get her fired and run off The View? Here she is. She's got four or five communist harpies screaming at her all day long. But leftists don't look at that show and see, nice, we got her outnumbered. This is sweet. Look at that. We have, we have 80, 90% of the show. She has nothing. This is awesome. They look at that and all they see is the one seat they don't have they want to have. That's all they see. You and I listened to that audio just now of a Marine Corps master sergeant having, oh my gosh, I mean, as a father, I'll tell you, having what has to be the proudest moment of his entire life. You can hear the man choking up. You can see it on his son's face. A moment those two will never forget. How special is that? 
commissioning his son in this great moment. I mean, I guarantee you I will come in to emails tomorrow about people choking up when I played that. I guarantee I will. That's what you and I saw. You want to know what the cultural Marxists saw? There's a reporter for the AP, James Laporta is his name. Do you want to know what he had to say about the video? Master Sergeant Michael Fisher gives his son his first salute upon commissioning as a second lieutenant. A significant moment if you look at the racial diversity within the officer corps of the U.S. military. Let me read that for you one more time. James Laporta with the Associated Press. Master Sergeant Michael Fisher gives his son his first salute upon commissioning as a second lieutenant. A significant moment if you look at the racial diversity within the officer corps of the U.S. military. I will tell you this. It, it's, it's, easy to, it's easy to get down about things right now. And I know you're probably steaming mad about that, as I was. I, went, I tore this guy apart last night. Publicly, on social media, you're welcome to go look at it. It's on my Twitter, at Jesse Kelly DC. I publicly just destroyed him multiple times. He kept trying to defend himself. There is no defense of him. But I want you to understand this. There's all kinds of bad news and things are bad and these people are scum and all this stuff, but I want you to understand. If you don't look at the world like that, and I'm assuming you don't, if you saw that moment and just saw a father and son sharing an awesome moment, one warrior passing it down to the next generation, you are an infinitely happier human being than that cultural Marxist will ever be. Take, take pride in that. Be happy about that. Be happy that you don't see the world like this. Because, yes, you can tell, talk to me all day long, and we will, about how wrong this guy is and how lame all that stuff is. And, what, and you're, you're right about that. But really, on a personal level, what it comes down to is this guy is going to be miserable forever, and he won't have any idea why. None. And what's crazy? This guy, like most American communists, has no idea he's a cultural Marxist. That's what makes our struggle so hard. Because if you took every single American communist and hooked him up to a lie detector test and asked him if they were a communist— 90% of them would deny it, and they'd pass the lie detector. They don't know. They've been so twisted up and manipulated by our disgusting culture and our government education system. They've been so twisted up with this race, sex, gender insanity. They don't have any idea that's what they are. But that's what they are, and they're miserable, and you're not, and that's awesome. We're going to talk to Steve Dace about Fauci and his new book. Hang on. Jake's Mint Chew will not only help you quit dipping tobacco if you're a dipper, apparently, if my emails are to be believed, it's helping my listeners quit smoking. And here's what it is. One, it's dip you put in your lip. There are 11 different flavors of long cut, but there are four different flavors of CBD pouches. Pouches. These are really hope helping the smokers in my office. You're sitting at your desk at work. Oh, it's about time for a cigarette break. 
So in a little CBD pouch, take the, take the edge off. You're sitting at home, just had a good steak. I'm going to go out for a cigarette. Throw in a CBD pouch. And you don't have to feel guilty about it. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE at checkout. 20% off. Oh, yes. I have been looking forward to this all week long. The host of the Steve Day Show. He's my friend. He's on the Blaze TV. And now he is out with a book and one you should really, really buy. It's called The Faucian Bargain. Steve, please explain what inspired you to write this book. Oh, I paid attention for more than five minutes for the last year. Jesse, how are you? <laughs> good, my brother. I'm good. I'm <laughs> thrilled. I'm so thrilled that your book is number one. I'm thrilled you're killing it. Not just because I'm happy for your success. That's just a side thing. I'm glad America's finding out and reading it and realizing what exactly this guy is. You know, this has been amazing. Um, not to put myself anywhere near his stratosphere, but, you know, we just lost Rush a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. and. This has kind of been like my own personal Dan's Bake Sale, if you know the, the kind of the history of, of Russia's show. I, I don't have, you know, I've got a nice size show. The Blaze is a massive platform, but I'm kind of one of the middle class shows there. And uh, I don't have the platform to generate a number one book in, in all of Amazon. Few people, frankly, in America do. There's like four million books there. This has all happened organically, providentially. I mean, the, the amount of emails I've received all over the country I bought four copies, five copies. I'm sending them to family members that are freaked out, scared, that won't come to Easter, didn't come to Christmas. Uh, this is really something that uh, our audience and then some phenomenal endorsements, uh, you know, members of Congress like Senator Ted Cruz, uh, Senator Rand Paul, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, who's on the front line fight against COVID stand right now. Those endorsements and then our audience's uh, belief in the material took this way beyond anything we had hoped Uh, My publisher told me on Monday when we debuted the book or the day before we debuted it, I really think you've got a shot to hit the top 50. And we debuted Tuesday morning at number 24. And right now, Jesse, the top two books in America are Fauci and Bargain and then the book about the poem read at the Biden inaugural. And if that's not a portrait of the two Americas, I don't know what is. (laughs) Steve, it has been. I mean, honestly, it's not that I didn't know it was going to be popular. I knew it was. But this popular why do you think it's caught on? Is it because of the amount of uh, relatively silent resentment and misery out there for the things yes. people did miss and, and the damage done? Yes. Um, and I, I think there were some of our peers, I won't mention any names because mm-hmm. some of them are friends of mine, mm-hmm. who early on were very hesitant about pushing back against this. And I don't blame them. You know, so I sit around and th- I thought to myself, uh, uh, many a night coming home from my show in, in mid to late March, is it really me, Jesse Kelly, and five other people in America that have figured this out and everyone else is wrong? That's a pretty dangerous place to be in when you're talking about a pandemic. But the more and more data we received, 
Uh, and even then when the data came in, I think there was concern about social media backlash and demonetization. But I think what's happened in, in the last two months, two things occurred that really tur- the worm turned against uh, the you know, team lockdown. Number one, the ridiculous CDC chart that came out at the end of January about when it was safe, where it was safe to open schools that told us only in International Falls, Minnesota, literally, was that the only place in the dead of winter it was safe for kids to be back in full-person schooling with extracurricular activities. I think that that really just pissed a lot of people off because it just defied common sense. And then the second thing was, and I think this is where the next layer of people, particularly in conservative media who had been hesitant about pushing back full throat against this, had, had met their last straw. And it's when Anthony Fauci came out and said, hey, even after you're vaccinated and everything, still be a leper. I mean, hot damn, Jesse. I don't know who wouldn't take that deal, an experimental mRNA vaccine with no FDA approval and still be a leper. By golly, sign me up, man. I'm there day one. I can't wait for that deal. You know, I, and I think I think those two events sort of set the stage that people wanted the, wanted the hymnal for ding dong, the witch is dead. And this book provides it for them. There's there's more footnotes in this book, as you know, Jesse. There are more footnotes than pages. I, you know me, man. I bring the receipts, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't just show up in the Valley of Elah with five smooth stones. I show up with footnotes and citations and hyperlinks, okay, and quotes. And we hoist Anthony Fauci for 180 pages from his own petard. The book is Fauci and Bargain. His name is Steve Dace. You can find it pretty easily because it's number one out there. Steve, Dr. Fauci, obviously I, I have some major problems with him, as do you. That's why the book was written. Do you consider him to be a misguided individual, an evil individual, a sociopath, a moron, uh, an evil genius? What is he? Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I don't think you can be this, this wrong for so long and cash in on it with no self-awareness, without a, some spirit of malevolence. The amount of gaslighting that goes on here, you know, it's funny, one of the things our book starts out with is on February 28th of last year, Anthony Fauci wrote it. Now, this is the New England Journal of Medicine. He didn't like, this isn't a Facebook update. He's not, you know, pondering to some buddies on a coffee break over at the NIH. This is a published paper in the New England Journal of Medicine, the most esteemed medical journal in America. And he says, you know, when I analyze the early data on COVID-19 and what we know about upper respiratory viruses and contagions, I think we're probably looking at an infection fatality rate somewhere around what a pandemic flu would be. Well, we sit here now on on April 1st, and the case fatality rate in America for COVID-19 is 1.8%. And since CDC estimates that we have at least 10 times more infections asymptomatically than we've detected by testing. And if you look at the antibody studies, by the way, it's actually way more than that. But we'll go with the CDC's official data. That would put the IFR, the infection fatality rate, at 0.18% when the flu is actually 0.1. In other words, this would put this at a pandemic flu level event. We would not have shut the country down for what he wrote in the New England Journal of Medicine. And yet 11 days later, he's been proven right. That forecast is accurate. But 11 days later, he went to Congress and three days after he was on 60 Minutes and said, you don't need masks. Five days after he did a press conference at the White House that said it's okay to go on cruise ships. On March 11th, he shows up at Congress and says, this is Captain Trips. He goes full Denethor, run for your lives. White minutes to rip on fire. It's over. And that night, the NBA shut down, college basketball canceled by the all concerts Mm. went dark. 
by the end of the week, the country was shut down. And, and, you know, I've got members of Congress that are friends of mine that endorse this book, and I'm already leaning on them. And I'd encourage your audience to do them, too, to do it, too. We need a 9-11-style tribunal to find out what changed Anthony Fauci's mind in those 11 days. Because when he went from this is going to be modestly bad, but we can handle it, to this is the end of Middle Earth, that, shut, that changed our lives. Think about it. Everyone in your audience, Jesse, no votes cast for him. All their lives, all their schools, all their churches, all their businesses, all their families, whether they can go outside and breathe without a mask, all altered by one individual who they didn't vote for. We need to know what changed his mind from February 28th to March 11th. That, con- that question must be answered. What do you th- We've only got about one minute left. What do you think it is? I know it would just be a theory. You can't read minds as good as this book is. What do you think happened, Steve? I think what I really think is driving this more than anything else, and if we put the lasso, Wonder Woman lasso of truth around him, it's a lack of trust of China's data. At the same time, though, he's heavily invested in China and in that Wuhan Institute, and that is a, that is a shade of gray that leads us down a dark path. And I think he's been trying to keep that beach ball under the water, and that has led more than anything else his ties to that institute, to all this gaslighting and inconsistency. It's basically a four corners, run out the clock strategy. He's Steve Dace. Watch his show on The Blaze and buy this book, The Fauci and Bargain. Steve, I appreciate you, my brother. Congrats on your success. Well-deserved. I thank you, man. You uh, appreciate your endorsement and everything you do as well. God bless. Take care. You bet. Man, isn't that kind of creepy to think about, Chris? Fauci worked for the Wuhan Institute where... Where the where the virus came from? Is that like it's 2020 has turned everybody into a conspiracy theorist? I swear on my life. I'm going to get some tinfoil, and then we have to talk about kneeling for the flag now at the Olympics. Hang on. smarter than everyone who knows does he think so yeah the jesse kelly show wake up and text text and eat Mm-mm. text and catch the bus text and miss your stop wait 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 wait, wait, wait. text and be late to work sorry i'm late text and work Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Uh, whether it's... Uh 
China, Russia, or anyone else. Uh, we're not standing against uh, any of those countries. Um, we're not trying to, for example, contain China or keep it down. I'm sorry. What? What? I, I, I'm. We're not. We're not trying to. What? Chris, would you mind playing that for me one more time here on the Jesse Kelly Show? What? Uh, whether it's uh, China, Russia, or anyone else, uh, we're not standing against uh, any of those countries. Um, we're not trying to, for example, contain China or keep it down. Oh, good. That's the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken. Well, that is great news. That is great news. You know what's wild? 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. You know what's wild? Leftists are so broken. They're so wrong and broken about everything. China, you know China's put out public papers about their intention to overtake the U.S. and dominate the world. It's not like China hides about that. It's not like they have some secret hidden agenda. Uh, yeah, we're out to be number one and we're trying to bring you down. Chinese spies caught here all the time, just routinely. America, what do we get? I mean, look, we're not enemies, right? I, we're, I mean, we're practically friends. Oh, wait, why are you hitting me? Sorry, China. Sorry. It's so embarrassing, dude. Chris, before we get to the, uh, uh, you know what? We'll save AOC for a second because we're gonna need we're gonna need a little laughter cleanse after I get done with this. This is from the DailyWire.com. U.S. Olympic Committee release, releases protest guidelines, clears athletes to raise fists and kneel during the national anthem. The USOPC released its updated guidelines on Tuesday. A nine-page document offers guidance about the sort of facial and social demonstrations that will and won't be allowed. Um, They'll be allowed to wear Black Lives Matter stuff, equality stuff, hats, face masks, justice. What I'm telling you is this. They're about to ruin the Olympics, too. Just get ready for it. Because we have an infection in this country called communism, cultural Marxism that has convinced half the country, half the country that America sucks. It, it, we have, it's a place that hates women. Uh, it hates black people. It hates it. It's, these are lies. These are not based on fact at all, but we've convinced half the country of it. And it's going to bring us to our knees. We have a country of spoiled brats, luxuriating in the wealthiest country in the history of the world with the highest standard of living in the history of the world. And they genuinely think the place is evil and terrible. They do. They do. It's coming. They're going to ruin all of it. We don't even have sports anymore. You know what, Chris? I feel, I feel icky. Give me some AOC. I need some expertise on what's happening on the border in an all in full disclosure here. I have to keep reminding people of this. AOC is an actress. And when I say that, I'm not I'm not calling her names. She is legitimately an actress. There's a group of socialists out there. I believe they're called the Justice Democrats if I remember right. They run candidates, hard left socialist candidates for office. They had auditions 
for who they were going to run in this congressional district of AOCs. She is an actress. She auditioned for the part and won. So when I play physically painful audio for you, like I'm about to play, and you have these long pauses from AOC, it's not only because she's stupid. I mean, that's a big part of it. It's because this person has no idea what she's talking about. She's an actress who just got the gig and now has to pretend to be a congressman. They want to say, what about the surge? Well, first of all, just gut check, stop. Anyone who's using the term surge around you consciously is trying to invoke a militaristic frame. And that's a problem because these, this is not a surge. These are children and they are not insurgents and we are not being invaded, which by the way, is a white supremacist idea, philosophy, the idea that if an other is coming in the population, that this is like an invasion of who we are. Oh, isn't it painful hearing her talk? It, it's They're not insurgents. It's not a surge. Like, she's so dumb. <laughs> but I mean, let's be honest. We don't want to always be mean on the show. I realize I just called her dumb and stuff like that, and that's not very nice. Let's be honest. She's kind of hot. She's kind of hot. And, and Look, and if we're being totally fair, look, it's just you and me. It's just you and me talking here. The dumb thing kind of makes her hotter. It's not that you want a dumb woman. No, you don't want that. Believe me, buddy. The hotness, the hotness stuff only lasts so long. You have to have somebody you can talk to. But I don't know. It adds something to her. She's just, just kind of an idiot. Hang on. Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Jewish producer Chris says that it's the lovable fool thing. I don't know why the idiot, th- I guess. I guess this the this is what part of what does it. 
She's so dumb, you almost can't blame her for being a communist. You know, that's the type of person, we've all known a dude or a chick like that. They're so dumb, you can convince them of anything. Like, of anything. You know, we, we, used to, I, we had a buddy, like I'm not going to name him. We had a buddy like that in high school. He was just so dumb, he would do anything dumb for money. Like, you, we, would, we would all throw in our money and pay $5 if he would run streaking through the hotel lobby. And he would just do it, like, without, without thinking about it. Without, without thinking about it. Not that you should ever do such a thing. I, I realize I'm going to have to get a better filter for what I talk about on the show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. Oh, man, it's going to be a fun last hour. All right, we have to talk about this golden retriever. I'm going to get to some of your emails. Hang on, buckle up, going to be an hour. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. Chris, I just want to be clear about something. Jewish producer Chris and I were watching something during the break. To be clear, we can't play that on the air or we can? Are you sure we can't? I think that's hilarious. You know what? I'm not kidding. That thing is so funny. We might have to play it anyway, and then we'll just get then we'll just go ahead. We'll have to accept it. We'll have to accept it. We have Carol Markowitz coming up in about 25 minutes from now. There is something out there now called Parents Defending Education. You parents out there, you anybody out there who's concerned about the absolutely insane and disgusting uh, critical race theory stuff that's going on in your school, don't worry. Somebody's here to hit back. And I will tell you, I will tell you that, let's see how what I'm allowed to say. I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. And actually, that's not true. I just know a guy. I just, I'm not allowed to tell you who it is. This parents defending education thing, it's going to try to clean up our schools. It has real teeth behind it. This is not some jerk water fly by night group. This has teeth behind it. And it has money behind it. Lots of it. So get excited. About 23, 24 minutes from now, Carol Markowitz is coming on the show. Let's find out what she's doing. Let's get to some emails. Hi, handsome Jesse. Sorry, producer Chris. Every day on your show, you boast that you read every email. My personal email inbox, as I'm writing to you, has 4,003 unread emails. How's your personal email look? Do you clear it each day? If so, and how? 
Dang, you're good looking. Like criminally handsome. What, Chris? They can be honest in the emails. Please keep doing what you're doing. Your show keeps me somewhat sane and makes me laugh. Thank you for that. She says her name is Number 7 Girl. She's on Locals. So apparently she wants you to follow her on Locals. Go right ahead. Okay, one, if you have 4,003 unread emails, you're a psychopath. I don't know how these people can do it. I've known people like this. I see women do this a lot. I, you know, I'm probably the psychopath. I cannot have one unread email. If I have one, it drives me insane. What, Chris? Chris says is reading the title of it enough. Yes, yes. It's not about reading every word in the email. I have to have it marked red. If it's a text message, I have to have it marked red. If it's an email, I have to have it marked red. And I've known people like this before that just, they're not interested in it at all. They don't delete it. They don't read it. It's just sitting there on their phone. Somebody, oh, it was my dad. Oh, my dad. Now, my dad's a little different because my dad, I mean, you think I don't care what people think. My dad, I saw his phone. This is a few years ago. He's actually texting now. When I say texting, it's yes, no, good. It's it, That's all. That's what you're getting out of my dad. It's not like, trust me, you're not going to get a selfie. All right? It's not what you're getting. But we pick up his phone. My sister and I, we, we were doing like a big family thing for Christmas. My sister Mickey and I, we pick up his phone and see, now I forget it because I'm getting older. I forget what the number was. It was in the thousands, though, of unread text messages on his phone. Why did he have unread text messages on his phone? Because my dad doesn't want to text. And not only does he not want to text, not only are you not getting a text back, he's so unconcerned with text messaging, he's not even slightly concerned what you had to say to him. It's not like he can't read, and it's not like he didn't know the text messages were on there. It's just, oh, a text. I'm not reading that. Who is that unconcerned with a text message they got? But my dad is, ah, whatever, it's probably not important. It doesn't matter. <laughs> See, I want, you, I want you to understand this is why. This is why I am the way I am. This is exactly why. Like when I broke my finger playing basketball and my ring finger on my left hand playing basketball, the end of it, it uh, the, there's a tendon on the top of your finger that kind of lets your finger go completely straight. Mine snapped. And so the end of my ring finger, if you stick out your ring finger and you know your finger can go straight, mine trying to hold it out straight, the very tip of it was hanging down limp, just hanging down there. That's, the tendon was snapped, and there was like a crack in the finger. And I come home after basketball that night, and I tell my old man, I'm like, hey, uh, I've, got, I've got a broken finger here. Clearly there's something wrong. Look at how it's hanging down. Like this is something's wrong. I need to go to the doctor. And I get yelled at for how much a doctor's visit costs. And then he makes me not only not go to the doctor, he just has me tape my ring finger to my middle finger for the rest of the season telling me it'll heal. To this day, my finger does not go all the way straight. And where that tendon is on top of your finger, you can feel a little bump in my finger. It just never healed correctly. <laughs> Chris said, but it healed some. You know, it did. I, I, look, I'm still alive. It's, it's that, like that movie, uh, The Hangover, where he's like, but did you die? <laughs> he's, and I yelled at him about it a couple years ago. You know, just, Dad, how could you not take me to the doctor? He's like, well, you're fine. 
Well, yes, I understand I'm still alive, but how do you not take it? I'll just tape it up. (laughs) 877-377-4373-jesse-at-jessekellyshow.com. Dr. Jesse, I come to you with more proof you are never wrong. You are absolutely right about pizza temperature. You have my word as proof. Everybody knows pizza is better closer to room temperature than it is fresh out of the oven. The cheese needs to be a little rubbery. I don't want it cold. I'm not let me clarify. I'm not saying cold, but cheese needs to be a little rubbery. That actually reminds me of a little story I have to tell you. Hang on a second, Chris. Number two with this email. You could kill a cheetah in hand-to-hand combat. Have producer Chris search for Raja Gopal Nike. Chris, I'm going to have to hand you the email back. There's no way you're going to be able to spell that. A man in India who strangled a leopard to death when it attacked him while he was riding his motorcycle with his wife and kid. Thanks for the show, especially the history. You can use my first name if it goes on there. His first name is Ross. See, Chris? Cheetah would go down, pal. A cheetah would go down. So the best thing about human nature is people try to cover it up. But it comes out anyway. The proof is in the pudding. What do I always tell you? You know, don't tell me what you believe. Show me what you believe. You have a random candy dish. You know the ones at Halloween time where there's all the different bite-sized Kit Kats and Twix and all these other things. What's the last thing remaining in the dish every single time? The Three Musketeers. Why? Because Three Musketeers is gutter trash and everybody knows it. And yet people will defend Three Musketeers. Oh, that's not, it's not bad. I don't mind it. Really? Why are there 83 Musketeers left and the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups were gone in about 30 seconds? Want to explain that to me? We were having some guests over. This was a few weeks ago. Having some guests over the house. And so the wife was doing what women do. You have to make the house spotless before anyone walks in so they think you live perfectly at all times. And she's cleaning up and whatnot. She asked me if I'll stop by the store to grab maybe something for the guests to eat when they come over. I say I'm more than happy to do so. I come home with a box of Triscuits and a can of that spray cheese, the the easy cheese. The wife freaks out. She's mortified. She's like, put that away. Nobody likes that stuff. That is absolutely terrible. You're so low class that all this, uh, you know, it just goes off about it. Puts it away. Little later on that night, she's not looking. Everyone's gathered around the kitchen because everybody gathers around wherever the food is. Everyone's sitting around having a couple beers. I sneak into the pantry, grab the Triscuits, grab the Spready Chetty. Guess what happened next? Hang on, I'll tell you. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. I am raising a couple dirty thieves. My sons stole my Eden Pure Thunderstorm. They stole it right after I got it. I had it in my room a day, and this is the mistake I made. 
I told my sons, because they asked, they asked about it, and I said, oh, that's my Eden Pure Thunderstorm. What it does is it kills all the odors. It doesn't cover them up. It kills the odors. That's why my room smells so good. I come back from work the next day, and it's gone. They had gone in my room and stole it and put it in their room. And so I went out and bought two more. I have one in my bedroom. They have one in their room, and it's actually managed to kill the odors in their room. And I have one in the main room of my house. I'm not totally convinced I won't buy others. That's how much I love this thing. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Don't forget to use the code word JESSE at checkout. That gets you 10 bucks off. You're having you fun with your family. In the meantime, you're having all kind of other bullshit. No, no, I'm not drunk. As a matter of fact, well, you put your mask on. You can go yourself. How's that? Well, you I don't need a mask on. You know why I don't need a mask? Because there ain't nothing like wrong with me. me. Like your Trump. Phone. You're right. Guess you who Trump likes? He likes my dad. Yeah, he do- no, he doesn't like your oh, phone. He it is the jesse kelly show that is of course our may is that our favorite audio clip it's gotta be right that was that scumbag governor in new jersey phil murphy phil murphy locking down his whole state and then going out to a dinner of like six or seven people and it gets caught by some clearly drunk New Jersey women. They can deny it all they want. They'd add too much to drink. And from there, it just goes full on New Jersey. That's <laughs> the best. <laughs> all right. Back to the party real quick. I bust out the Triscuits. I bust out the Spready Chetty, the Easy Cheese. Guess what was gone in about 20 minutes? And finally, she catches on to what's happening. She sees all these grown adults hand, passing around the Triscuits like they're 15 years old and spreading the spready chetty on there. The anger I was feeling at that moment as I was smugly, self-satisfyingly smiling to myself, watching the masses tell people what they really want. What, Chris? Why Triscuit and not chicken and a biscuit? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because I'm an American. I, I take, you know what? I take that wasn't fair. I lashed out because it was you. I, I actually don't mind chicken and a biscuit, but Triscuits are so criminally underrated. It's like we do these big neighborhood parties, July 4th or Halloween or whatever the case may be, where everyone comes out on the block and the kids run and play. And I mean, it's real Americana type stuff. And everybody brings a dish all the time. Uh, I brought my special queso dip. I brought my this. I brought my that. It's, I brought my beef. I, I smoked some ribs. Half the time I show up with two Little Caesars pizzas, $5 a piece. And everybody laughs. <laughs> Look how white trash Jesse is. Oh, that's so embarrassing. Guess what the first thing gone is every single time? The two Little Caesars pizzas. As everybody flocks over. Oh, Jesse, that's so stupid. Hey, can I get a slice of it? People show you what they believe all the time. 
Apparently in China, they believe that you can pass off a golden retriever as a lion. Visitors to a zoo in southwestern China were left shocked and confused when they saw a golden retriever in a cage intended to accommodate an African lion. In a video clip that circulated wildly on social media this week, a man only identified by his surname, Tang, took his child to visit the Huaxiaxian Zoo in Xishang, Sichuan. Look, okay, understand that I'm having enough trouble with English. There's no way I'm going to be able to do Mandarin on Saturday, but was startled when they found a golden retriever in the African lion enclosure, despite signage introducing the animal as a feline. (laughs) Uh, A worker of the zoo told Tang the cage had housed the lion in the past, However, the animal had been moved for, to another location. I so respect this hustle, Chris. I so respect this hustle. And I'm going to be sorely disappointed if I look up pictures of this, which I'm going to do after the show, and I don't see that they tried to shave like a lion's mane on the golden retriever. <laughs> All right, focus. It's enough of that. Headline. Newsweek.com, China's military preparing for U.S. intervention in the Taiwan Strait. Oh, gosh. Before I forget, if you missed any part of the show, the entire show is available on iHeart, Google, Spotify. It's on iTunes. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating and leave a review talking about how handsome I am. I am The Shogun, after all. And there are like 600 of these now, and it's absolutely hysterical. The best part is when I have friends and or family who come across it on iTunes, and they'll start browsing the reviews, and they'll text me totally confused because they don't listen to the show. They don't know what's going on. Do you know? I thought you did a radio show. I've had this more than once. I'm like, yeah, it's a radio show. Why is everyone talking about how handsome you are in the reviews? And I always play dumb. Well, I I act like it's just a totally organic thing. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess they must have looked me up and just were really impressed with what they saw. I don't understand what the problem is. (laughs) We did the opening of the show today on World War Zero, the Russo-Japanese War. It was pretty cool. All right, back to Newsweek. China's military preparing for the U.S. intervention in the Taiwan Strait. China is readying itself for American and Japanese involvement in any Taiwan Strait conflict with recent warplane exercises around the island aimed at displaying its ability to isolate Taiwan from potential support, according to analysts in Beijing and Taipei. Chris, where's Taipei? It sounds awesome. Oh, we call Taiwan Taipei to appease. That explains why I've never heard of it before. I'd never heard of this place before. It's still Taiwan to me because screw those dirty communists. The the reason I'm sighing, I'm going to move on from this. No one cares about Taiwan here. But the reason I'm sighing is maybe it's because I've been watching too much world history stuff. I just came across a brand new World War One documentary. So if you need me, I'll be sitting by myself for the next seven hours just gorging on this. But that's, that's beside the point. Maybe it's because I've done too much war stuff recently. But something doesn't smell right out there right now. 
what I'm talking, what I'm saying is, no, I don't think China's going to invade. I'm not saying anything like that. But couldn't you see China invading Taiwan? Couldn't you see it? If you're them and you want Taiwan, I mean, for them, they already claim to have it, but if you're them and you want Taiwan, why would you wait? Why would you wait? The U.S. economy is straining, to put it mildly. We have spent so much money. Now they're even openly talking about raising taxes because we are in such a staggering amount of debt and these deficits are out of control. So your major world power you have to worry about, the the United States of America, frankly can't afford a major military engagement right now. The United States of America's president, his brain has melted into a a, a Hershey's bar in a car in Phoenix in July at this point in time. Plus, he's completely in bed with China, either directly or indirectly through his son, who has all these ugly ties over there. Why would you wait if you're China? What what are you going to do? Wait and, and take a chance that Heavy D gets in there? Is that really what you're going to do? Or or Donald Trump again or something like that? Are you going to wait for that? Of course not. Why wait? I'm telling you there's something there. There's something there. And what's going to be fascinating, you watch. If something happens, and I'm not saying it. I, I, don't, I, I would tell you if I had some kind of inside knowledge. I do not. But uh, So I'm not saying it is. But if something happens there, you watch. You watch. We won't do a daggone thing. We'll put out a couple strongly worded letters or something like that. He'll get on Twitter and condemn it with the with with the highest amount of animosity. But we won't do a daggone thing. And I think China knows it. I think China knows it. All right. You've been wanting somebody to hit back at this insane critical race theory infecting your schools. Carol Markowitz is about to come on and tell you about hitting back. Buckle up for this one. Hang on. There are few things more miserable than quitting dipping tobacco. I am not telling you this as an outside observer. I'm telling you this as somebody who has gone through it multiple times. And why did I have to quit multiple times? Because I kept trying to quit the wrong way. And I mean, I tried it all. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to chew sunflower seeds. Uh, give me some bubble gum until your jaws practically swollen from chewing so much. I tried to just space out my dips even, but nothing worked. I needed a replacement. I needed something that would transition me off of it. Jake's Mint Chew is perfect. It is tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free, so you're breaking that addiction. It's even sugar-free. And 11 different flavors of long cut, four different flavors of CBD. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE, 20% off. Well, you wanted a response. 
We finally have some kind of response. Appears to be a quite organized response against this insanity we're seeing out there right now in schools. Joining me now to talk about that, Carol Markowitz. She is a columnist with the New York Post. She also writes for about 9,000 other publications. (laughs) Carol, who is hitting back? What is happening? Jesse, thank you so much for having me on your show. Uh, The group is called Parents Defending Education, and... We are setting up a movement to fight back against wokeism. Uh, We've all heard the complaints. We've all spent time complaining. We think it needs to move from the complaining phase to the action phase where we actually fight this in our schools. And what is parents defending freedom? What are they actually doing? So, well, they're going to be doing a lot of things. But one of the things that they're doing is they're going to be using the Freedom of Information Act to find out how much money public schools are spending on these diversity consultants, for example. They've already found out that one school spent $10,000 on a 45-minute Zoom to be told that they're all racist and their you know, whole curriculum needs to be changed. But beyond that, we're going to be suing um, and getting involved in different uh, litigation with school districts who are doing things that we consider illegal. Um, one of the things is uh, a lot of these schools are violating the civil civil rights of these kids um, by creating hostile environments for students on the basis of race. That you know these civil rights uh, are colorblind. You're not allowed to just abuse white kids because they're white, and so that's going to be some of the lawsuits that uh, we'll be focusing on. Who are they suing, or who are you suing, I guess I should ask, since, since clearly you're involved? Is it school districts, individual schools? Is this just K through 12? Is it college? Who who are you going mm-hmm. after? So it'll be school districts. Um, or, for example, the first lawsuit that we've become involved in is um, a group of teenage activists in New York are suing New York City um, and saying that because of rigorous education and because of their schools that you need to apply to get into that require grades or testing, um, and because those schools don't have the correct racial breakdown that they would prefer, um, they're suing New York City to say that their, their rights have been violated. New York City is going to mount a vigorous defense of this. Um, probably not. It's a, a very far left city. We don't trust them to um, mount a vigorous defense of uh, rigor in schools. So we're uh, intervening. We are losing you, Carol. We are losing Carol Markowitz here. We'll see if we can't work on that just a little bit, Chris. See if we can't get that cleared up because I want to hear this stuff. This stuff is important. And we do. uh, Look, I love what she said about actually doing something about it. We complain and we yell and we scream and whatnot. But. We have to have some teeth. We, we have to look, being more purposeful doesn't just mean you know, where we buy things, where we don't buy things. It means we have to look, we have to go after them, period. Anyway, let's go back to Carol. Carol, I'm sorry, please continue. Yeah. Sorry, I, I don't know what, uh, what happened there. Um, so we are intervening in these lawsuits um, on behalf of rigor in education, on behalf of merit, um, and, and saying that these kinds of things are not um, racist, they're not based on race, they have nothing to do with race, and to fight for uh, better schools and having a better situation for all the kids. Are you getting the funding you need? And the reason I ask is this. Constantly Mm -hmm. when you talk to people who are doing these activist things on the right, the things we have to do to win this country back, they will complain 
that the left constantly is funding their movements like this well. They fund them well, and the right simply does not. People on the right are wealthy people. Uh, For whatever reason, they don't funnel this money down so people have the money to do this. Are you running into that? Well, I would say that the left has a large head start on us, but um, this will be a very well-funded group, and so far, so good. But absolutely, I think people on the right need to recognize that without funding, we're we're going to be stuck in the same space we're in right now. And again, I the fact that we're all like having the same conversation over and over again, and I know that you're you know bothered by this also, but like we need action. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like we've heard all the stories, we've heard all the crazy, like we get it. Um, but now, what are we going to do about that? And I, I think that this group really has. A, a specific role to play and and we'll bring you know we'll really bring the action as opposed to just like having the same discussions over and over again about how terrible things are carol are we going to see an expansion of this in general on the right or do you think we're going to get better about that simply out of necessity because you're right we do a lot of talking mm-hmm. we don't do a lot of walking i loved it the first second i got wind of this group i i was in love with it. i've been waiting to go public with it until i was given permission to do so uh we mm-hmm. need a lot more of it do you see a total mindset change happening on the right because i would love it if we did yeah you know the thing is that we have to fight and i think that a lot of people you know, don't want to fight. They don't want to get into arguments with their school boards. They don't want to, to fight with their with their kids' teachers. But we have to reach a point where this is normal, where we stand up to this kind of thing and we do it on a regular basis. And that's it's, it's hard to convey to people who aren't super political that feel uncomfortable with what their kids are learning in school, that if you don't fight back, this will not change. And in fact, it will get worse. So, I hope that this group will give people the tools to fight back on their own as well. Um, I know, like, for example, you know, one of the things that this group is covering is, you know, compelled speech. Um, compelled speech is not allowed, and it's it's prohibited by the First Amendment. But kids are participating in protests. They're, um, the L.A. Unified School District during Black History Month asked their kids, how they're planning to honor the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, this is happening. This is like this this politicization of kids in classrooms is happening. I mean, in my own kid's school, they had the, the climate march, you know, two years ago or whatever. And, you know, they made my five-year-old make a sign. It's it's like if we're not going to be taking on um, the, these kinds of political movements in the classroom – we're we're really going to lose the whole battle, and it, it's it's hard to get people to really realize that. I, I see, and that's what disheartens me, Carol, is that it's hard to get people to realize it. How do we not have more of a priority on our kids? How do we not look around as a country and see what's happening and blame the education system? Because I sure do. Yeah. Oh, Jesse. Yeah, this has been my year. Um, I, I mean, they closed schools in major cities across the country and didn't reopen them, and parents largely didn't say anything. There was small pockets of parents who, like, were angry, but in the majority of parents just kind of, you know, were like, well, they're doing their best, and it was um, painful to watch, and it was shocking because I thought, I really thought, like, oh, parents are going to riot in the streets if schools don't open, but no, no, they didn't, and it's, again, tough to, to really convince parents that you're going to have to stand up for your kids. You're going to have to be loud. Um, you have to do what the left is doing. And it, it, it's hard, but, you know, I think when people see other people standing up, they they do, they, they, they're more likely to do it themselves. So. All right, that's awesome stuff. Carol Markowitz, how can people 
if they're interested in giving us some teeth, how can people help or can they help? So on the website, defendinged.org, you can join the movement. You can um, report different things that are happening in your schools. If your kids get an assignment that you think is racist or um, just inappropriate or potentially illegal, you can report it on the website, and we're going to look into it. Um, and, you know, I, I would say people need to get involved in their local level. Join your school board. Pay attention to what your kids are learning in school. And if you see a problem with something, don't be quiet. Don't be afraid. This is your kid. You have to stand up. Amen. Carol Markowitz, thank you so much for what you're doing. Go give them hell. Thank you, Jesse. Oh, boy. Chris, I'm so excited about the audio. I'm so excited about it, but I'm not going to jump the gun. I'm not going to jump the gun. Oh, and remember how I've been telling you, keep your kid away from college? I'm about to give you a potential opportunity. Hang on for that. Jesse Kelly Show. On air and online at jessekellyshow.com. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm uh, coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. There are many whites who are trying to solve the problem, but you never see them going under the label of liberals. That, that white person that you see calling himself a liberal is the most dangerous thing in the entire Western Hemisphere. He's the most deceitful. He's like a fox. And a fox is, almost, is always more dangerous in the forest than the wolf. You can see the wolf coming. You know what he's up to. But the fox will fool you. He comes at you with his mouth shaped in such a way that even though you see his teeth, you think he's smiling. Daggone, Malcolm X was underrated, man. Although I'm, I'm not sure... I'm not sure the fox is more dangerous than the wolf really ever. A fox is pretty much the size of a cat. <laughs> wolves wolves are not dogs. Wolves are gigantic. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. My folks have a uh, ranch up in Montana, and they have a bad wolf problem up there in Montana because wolves are I mean, they're awesome creatures. They're they're killing machines, and they'll like wipe out entire populations of elk and buffalo and stuff like that. They're killing machines. 
So occasionally you can get a permit up there if you're having a problem because they'll kill cattle and stuff. You can go hunt them. And my folks will send me pictures when the professional hunters will come out and they'll hunt these wolves. And we're talking grown men holding up these wolves. And the wolf is the size of the grown man. These things are gigantic. So get this. Elon Musk puts out something for Tesla owners Austin. And it's titled High School Grads. You do not have to have a college degree to work for Tesla. You can work for Tesla straight out of high school. Get this. Over 10,000 people are needed for Giga, G-I-G-A, Texas through 2022. Five minutes from the airport, 15 minutes from downtown, right on the Colorado River. If you're a young person or you have a young person about to graduate, just graduated, not sure what to do, maybe a little leery of heading off to college, do you have any idea how great a two-year gig at Tesla would look on a resume? A paid gig, it looks like, and they need 10,000 people. That is, one, an extremely cool life experience, and two, a very, very valuable life experience. Go. Go forth. Get your kids out of government schools. Headline, 21 Senate Democrats urge Biden to put recurring stimulus checks, unemployment aid extension, in the recovery plan. Recurring stimulus checks. Imagine the damage it will do to give people regular payments from the government. How's that been working out for welfare? That work out well? Anyone see that work out well? This, these people are insane. Chris, you know what? Give me some more heavy D before I get to the rest of these headlines I didn't get to today. We need heavy D just being an absolute bro once again. Uh, so I, I became eligible on Monday. I haven't had it yet, but I am I am planning on doing it this week. Uh, I'm not sure we're going to do it on camera. I mean, we'll see. I mean, if you guys want a gun show, maybe we could do it, but probably better. <laughs> I'm glad he's holding strong. We'll see. We'll see. Look, say a prayer for the man like, like you just saw with Christy Nome when she just took a torpedo and fired it into the side of her own presidential dreams. It only takes one gigantic misreading of the room and it's over in this environment. Christy Nome shoots down a bill that would have kept men out of women's sports in South Dakota. It only takes one big mistake. And that's why no matter what you never fall in love with the politician, really no man, really, unless it's me. What Chris headline breaking. Wisconsin Supreme Court strikes down mask mandate. Okay. Okay. Why do we need a Supreme Court to tell us the government doesn't have the power to mandate you wear anything? I mean, good. I guess it's happy. I'm not going to take a victory and dump all over it. But you, the American people, should have already made that decision like a half a second after some government stooge said you have to wear this. Uh, better late than never, but that decision should have been made by the American people. Wear your mask or don't wear your mask. It's your, it's your call. 
Uh, the vaccine, too. Get the vaccine if you want the vaccine. I have friends who get it. Don't get the vaccine if you don't. It's your call. But don't you let anybody tell you what to do. No way. Not in this country. Headline, cops outraged that NYPD cop killer is tapped to help design police reform in New York. Richard Riviera murdered an NYPD cop execution style in 1981. Now he's been recruited to sit on a panel tasked with coming up with police reform plans. Look, this is what communists are. This is what they do. These people are sick. If you look, if you look around and you say to yourself, it's like they're trying to destroy us. Yeah, they are. It's, it's a religion of domination, of destruction. They are trying to destroy us. That's why it doesn't do any good to point out how damaging the plans of the communists are. Yeah, he knows. That's why he does them. That's how they think. Hang on. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. France, Italy, Quebec, Chile. What, Chris? I can... You don't have so you wouldn't know anything about it. All these places are locking down again. You think America's not going to lock down again? We are. I guarantee these blue states. That was the problem with this narrative early on of we have to lock down until the virus is gone. It's a virus. It's not going to be gone. It's going to work its way through society. And the Western world is lining itself up on the ditch and shooting itself in the back of the head over this thing. Treat it. If you want the vaccine, go get it. If you don't, don't. But I promise you this, that virus is not going away. That's what viruses do. They hang around. They survive. They change. We cannot destroy the Western world because of coronavirus. The show must go on. Period. Tomorrow's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Email me your questions. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. That's all.
Jesse Kelly Show. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 